Happy Friday. It's almost the weekend. I like it. I like it for an intro. Happy Friday. It's almost the weekend. Mm, Two yeah. video game boys coming at you live with their <laughs> little game of mouths. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that so... can't become like a staple of the show. Dude, we can't have that be a staple. I think we've mentioned it every week, like four weeks in a row. I, yeah, you can't, you ever can't, since I first said it. You can't control these things. They just happen. Oh. Yeah, yeah. A, a couple of the other podcasts, like video game style podcasts I listen to, have an intro where they say the same thing every week. Oh yeah, but uh, I don't know. I don't know if we uh, if we I... if if, it, if we find one and it's natural, I reckon we try to keep it. But yeah, yeah. Then... I I I don't think it's gonna involve wet gamer mouths though. Let's just oh. yeah, come come out front with that. <laughs> Maybe it will if it's good enough. <laughs> if it's good enough. Oh man, what's been going on? How have you been? I've been really good. Um, I what did I get up to? So I um, I went out for a friend's birthday party in the city on Saturday night. Hell yeah, city life. Yeah, we went to a restaurant called Miznon. Um, have you been there? Uh, no, I haven't heard of it. It's on Hardware Lane. It's just one of those. Um, it's actually like a Mediterranean meat, meaty style place. So you can get you can order a dish called meat bag. Oh yeah, and that's I'm the all about that. Yeah, give me a bag of meat at any any day. <laughs> yeah, that, I like it. So yeah, that was pretty cool. And then we went out to like a Latin dancey place and danced around. And then the birthday girl went home. So me and a couple buds stuck around. We went to Heartbreaker. Oh my and you know god, Heartbreaker. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And it's the same. It's the exact same place as you remember it. Oh, that's so great to hear. I yeah. obviously have not been there in a very long time, but that that warms yeah. my heart. Yeah, yeah, I remember going there with Demo and you at some at some point and being like, "Yeah, this is a uh, it's so it's like peak Melbourne to me." That place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like grungy and kind of gross and like, but not in like a judgy way. It's just very like you know, metalheads hanging out. Oh yeah, it's very endearing and like yeah, yeah. they've got great beers and they've got cocktails from the Everly bottled up. It's just it's oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, it's it's owned by the same people. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And they have pizza there. I've never had a pizza there before. Oh man, neither have I. That's see, yeah. it's just a winning thing though. Like whatever they add, it's just gonna be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was pretty quality. And then and then I went home and Orville Peck tonight, dude. Oh, cool. Is he is yeah. he playing in Melbourne? He is. Yes. Exciting. He's playing at the Forum. Yes, I'm so pumped. Oh, I fuck yeah been a fan and ever since i first listened to him i've pretty much been daily listening to this man it's uh it's so good oh that's great and the forum one of melbourne's best venues totally yeah i think it's a perfect kind of venue for a guy like orville yeah totally ten dollar craft beer tinnies you'd stack them up you're set stack them up <laughs> um yeah i haven't haven't really been playing any games since we last spoke i don't think um Oh, I played a little bit of Stray, actually. Oh, yeah, that's the cyberpunk cat game. Yeah, yeah, Annapurna's latest child. Um, <laughs> it It's pretty cool, except I can't play it if my dog is awake and in the room. Oh. Uh, yeah. Does he it's get barky? He, just is, he doesn't get barky, he just gets, like, hyper-fixated on the cat on the TV. Wow. And we'll... Uh, will get very stressed about there being a cat. <laughs> oh, 
poor boy. Which is so funny because like Tilda, my, my, my other animal, the cat, will walk by just like casually while he's like glaring at this actual <laughs> like, digital cat on the TV. Oh my god, that's so funny. He just doesn't care about Tilda, apparently. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, he's, he's been good. We uh, we went to the park yesterday and bumped into a, a couple there who had a dog and um, they got along really well and ran around. Love to hear which it. Which was heartwarming, yeah. And uh, however, right at the end of the of the little run around at the park near my place, it's like still under construction. So there was like a place where the swing set's supposed to go, but it's actually just a big muddy puddle. Oh and, no! Uh, yeah, yeah. He just dove face first <laughs> into the mud and like the sloshy water and started drinking and prancing. Oh my god! I in mud and clay. I have tried many times to swap souls with a dog. It just, <laughs> it seems like a much better deal. Yeah, he loved it. It was, uh, yeah, never seen him that, that chuffed with himself. Um, wasn't as chuffed when I was bathing him after, but oh well, what are you going to do? <laughs> uh, how about you, man? What's been going on? Uh, I've been good. I've, I've, uh, I've been looking after my dog, actually. She's, mm. uh, she's a puppy and getting her out of her little crate every morning is like one of the best things you can do. Oh, she's just so like so excited and she really needs to go to the toilet and she's like <laughs> going to the grass to go to the toilet, but she's also really excited to see you. So she turns back mm. and like runs at you and then she tries to go yep. to the toilet again and then she turns back and <laughs> runs at you. It's very exciting. Um, yeah. Anyway, I've been I've been playing a couple of games. I, I finally got to um, Rogue Lords, which is that oh. rogue like I talked about months and months ago. Um, yep. it, it was on PC last year, and it got ported to the Switch this year. And like yep. the the core is good. There's definitely something there, but like the game just isn't ready. Like right. there's all these systems, and they kind of fall over each other, but they fall each over. Uh, like they fall over in programming not complexity like oh. you know some of the artifacts just don't work like oh yeah like an artifact might say you know when you discover your next skill instead of three options you get four and then you just get three options like get... it just doesn't work yeah right okay um, that's buster yeah and there's like it crashes and the load times take ages and yeah, I, I, I like, I'm super keen on it, but they just need to like patch it to crap on the Switch to get it yeah, to work right. properly, um, which is a bit of a bummer. Um, but I, I jumped out of something uh, super broken into something super not broken. I started playing uh, God of War. Um, oh, hell yeah, the new one. Yeah, yeah, the oh, reboot. Not the new one, the most recent one. Yeah, the reboot, yeah. Yeah, it was like on... Um, it was like a PlayStation Plus game, and yep. yeah, pretty good. the The first hour <laughs> is really fucking good. Um, yeah, I I think I've played for like maybe six or seven hours now, and yep. n nothing has been as good as that first hour. But um, I've I've kind of been going through it, and uh, just because like happenstance, I saw this video of the God of War director playing Metroid Dread and, yep. and he was just being super harsh and he said this line that I don't think I'll ever forget. He was like, 
he was talking about, you know, the level design or something. And he was like, if this mm. is acceptable to you, then you're a fucking idiot. And so, <laughs> and, and so like, I've been going wow. through, I've, right? Super fucking like holier than yeah. thou, like suck my yeah, dick, yeah. dude. But um, yeah. I've been going through the game and everything that like hasn't been up to snuff for me. I've been like, if this is acceptable to you, then you're a fucking idiot. You're a fucking idiot. But but yeah. he he directed God of War, not God of War. You can see how that might be confusing. He directed the original God of War, not the reboot. So I've been going around, been an asshole to this game, and the game's director did not actually say that. It was the uh, original God of War game director uh, that said that. Right. So it wasn't Corey Balrog that said. You're a fucking idiot. Correct. It was someone called uh, Dave, David Jaffe. Oh, uh, David Jaffe. Yeah, he's a renowned asshole. <laughs> oh, really? Right. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. I've just been shitting all over Corey's game because, like, I thought that's what he said. Um, oh, that's so funny. Yeah. yeah. No, Corey's a, he's an ex-animation guy. Uh, oh. He used to be an animator for a long time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, he found his way into doing directing and... um. Yeah, he's, I think you've seen, like, a little bit of a documentary. I showed you a picture of him, and you were like, he looks so tired. <laughs> <laughs> he always looks very tired. Oh, no. Yeah, um, but he, look, he's, he's cool. Yeah, that's, I, I'm glad to hear that, because the, the game is pretty good. Um, there's, like, I think, I think the combat is just okay. Like, mm. it's not as fun as arcade stuff, and it's not as intense as, like, Naughty Dog stuff. Um, yeah. And it honestly just feels pretty annoying most of the time. Like, uh, you know, yeah, right. double tapping X to roll and like ev it, everything just feels a lot slower than it should be. You know, you know, like I say, they've gone in between like arcade and intense and I don't think they do yeah. either thing really well. Um, yeah, I remember. So after that first or maybe it's during I, I can't remember the first Draugr that you fight. One of those little, you know, the fodder enemies mm -hmm. that you fight. Yeah. Um. I think I had the game on hard or something, uh, and and like I didn't feel powerful at all <laughs> while fighting right. this this grunt enemy, and I was like, this I don't feel like Kratos, so I turned the difficulty down, and you know, they, it gives them less less health, and so mm. I was like, oh, it kind of feels a little better now. But yeah, I agree. There's like something about the more grounded kind of Kratos in this world that is um a little bit dissonant compared to how he used to be. Yeah, um, yeah, and I'm like. I'm I'm all I'm all good with them like taking a big step away from the original franchise, but yeah, I don't know. It just it just doesn't feel right. Like I'd rather be mm. playing Devil May Cry or The Last of Us. You know, like it's just right. I get you. Yeah, it's not. It it just kind of feels like they threw all of the popular styles of combat into an algorithm and and it spit out like this kind of average yeah. of all of them. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And like it's you know they they do a pretty good job of like balancing combat and like story and conversations. So yeah, yeah. It, it overall it does feel really polished. Um, and like I I kind of like how you get to choose. Um, you know, just as the player, you get to kind of side with the boy or the dad, because yeah. like you know when that exposition witch appears and she's like. <laughs> save the boar and this is how the world works and fetch these ingredients i was like fuck you yeah, i don't yeah. give a shit about this boar like you know where's <laughs> where's the fire so i can get some ribs happening um yeah, yeah. And, and the the boy was really whiny and the witch was really 
exposition-y, um, but Kratos just hated <laughs> everything, and I was like, hell yeah, I love Kratos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, yeah, it's pretty good. The level design is fucking sick. Um, yeah. Really good. The secrets are awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Keen, keen to see where it goes. Yeah, it does, it, and it does go. It, it goes places for oh, real in that game. Cool. Cool, cool. It, it, it opens up in some really interesting ways, and um, the combat continues to evolve as well, which is what I was going to say before. It was like, ah. yeah, it felt quite restrictive and, and whatever in the beginning, um, mm-hmm. but as, as you sort of level up and get extra stuff, it becomes more a bit more interesting, and there's more interesting enemies as well and challenges and stuff for you to do. So, cool. Um, yeah. Hell yeah. Well, I mean, since we're talking about God of War, just a, a quick reminder to the listeners about your oh. Atreus, 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 <laughs> Atreus. <laughs> Atreus. Boy. yeah, boy, uh, dad and boy figurines that, you, that you're hawking. Yeah, I'm hawking them off for, for free. All you got to do is send us an email with the secret word from last week's episode and um, a topic <laughs> for us to talk about. Are <laughs> you not going to give them the secret word now? Oh. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's give it a. Let's, <laughs> let's right at the start of the episode. That's the only thing I want to. I want to hide it somewhere in there. Oh my god, you're like one of those games where the tutorial takes way too long, and then you finally get to the main <laughs> game. You've got to pay five dollars. The secret. Yeah, yeah. Just, just tell the word. Tell them the word. The, se- the secret word is proliferation. <laughs> Go and get those figurines, you, you assholes. <laughs> <laughs> get in there and pull proliferate our inbox with your emails yeah we've been getting a few uh not heaps though so you know like if you wanted to try and win the the you know the odds are still really really um in your favor yeah we'll, we'll do a live out of the hat name picking next week totally yeah i'm gonna do a little um i've got a little website that i use for giveaways that's just a big wheel of fortune you plug in everyone's names and you roll it and i'll roll it twice um hell yeah and then, yeah, people who, who want the figurines will get them. Love it. And then, yeah, I'll, I'll post them out to you. So, yeah, we'll, we'll send, if you are successful, I'll, I'll do a post on all the socials as well as send you a response to your email and you'll, uh, you'll be able to send us your info. Should be easy. Cool beans. All right, dude, have you got, uh, got any three-piece feed for us? Um, no. <laughs> oh, my God. I can, oh, I can there goes hear... The dog. I can hear Jim's tears hitting the floor. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't. I, I forgot all about the three-piece feed this week. I'm sorry. Do you have any three, like, just regular bag chips in the in the em- my empty bag, which I've offered up this week? Bro, I've got no bag chips. Absolutely. Oh, like, not no, even a crumb. No, nothing has reached oh, me. It's yeah, a, I got nothing for you, bro. It's a dry week. All right. Well, in that case, we're going to dive straight into immersion. Um, Hell yeah. so this, this was a bit of a weird one to put together. So I've got like a couple of actual facts, but otherwise I've just gone full Maverick. So okay. I, I'm going to throw some ideas and some terms at you and you can tell me if I'm full of shit or not. <laughs> All right. Hell yeah. All right. So I've come up with three different types of immersion. So, so we'll go through those and then we'll double down on the one I think is the most interesting. So okay. the, the first one is like 
technological immersion, right? So that's like, I mean, more commonly at the moment, that's VR, right? So like okay. using like a, a piece of technology to connect with a virtual world. So like I remember as a kid going to arcades with dad and you could like hop, hop into like, uh, you know, like Starfighters from Star Wars. Starfighter? Is that even the ship? I don't know, X-Wings, you know, they had, like, in the yeah. big arcades in the cities, they would have, like, these big rooms with, like, the, the A-A-T-T's. Oh, my God, I'm so sorry, yeah, Star yeah. Wars fans. I can't fucking... A-T-A-T's. A-T-A-T, yeah, I was like, uh, is it AT&T? No, that's an American telephone uh, company. That's a different thing, yeah. Um, but, yeah, you could hop in and, like, all the controls would be there, and that was, like... You know, that was, that was instant immersion, right? Like you didn't, mm. you didn't have to like pay attention to the characters or anything. Like you were in there pressing the buttons and it was fucking cool as hell. Mm-mm-mm. Um, so that's, that's what, what I've got down for technological immersion. Then you've got, Love it. then you've got subjective immersion and, and this is like immersion specific to the player. So like the world building, the characters, the story, um, the gameplay, that's, that's the kind of stuff that, that draws you in. And, and yeah. I've just called it subjective immersion because, like, it's so different for everyone, you know? People get lost in Skyrim for fucking 200 hours and, like, I look at that game and I'm like, nah. <laughs> it's, it's not for me. It's not for yeah, me. Fair enough. Um, and then the last one I've got is external immersion. So this, this is like, I don't even know if this is a type of immersion, but I just thought of it when I was writing this shit out. And I, and I think that's like the Tetris effect, you know, where you play, oh. you play Tetris too much and then you close your eyes and you see the falling blocks or you dream about it. Um, yeah. Or like, you know, that you hear like some noises or soundtracks outside of a video game and it makes you want to play it you're just like oh shit that game actually has its its hooks in me and i haven't played right. it. picked it up in five years and i want to get back to it um for me that's external immersion so i feel like i feel like they're the main three right we got like technological which is like a pretty big one vr and i, I reckon that's a topic for another time and <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we've got subjective immersion, um, which is your world building and all that stuff, and then external. Uh-huh. And and I I'd love to uh, to double down on on subjective immersion because I I reckon if I were to talk to a random wet gamer, um, they would think of this type of immersion if I was speaking of immersive worlds. Mm mm. So like yeah, I think there's some combination of technological and subjective that is um probably where I would fall. Like I think right. Um, and also just on external immersion, I wrote down esports because I think like esports competitors become so immersed in their game of choice that it becomes like their whole life. You know, totally, totally. Yeah, that's so, like that's a they're great. Not, they're not really like. Yeah, it's like when you're playing a sport, you're like their whole brain is focused on doing the sport well. And so, yeah. Man, um, it always yeah. it always wigs me out how calm esport people are. You know, like yeah. smash tournaments and they're playing, you know, the most hype combos and shit in the world and they're just like yeah. perfectly still dead-eyed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the, the concentration yeah. levels are off the charts. 
Unlike me, I'm sweating and shaking. <laughs> like, foaming at the mouth. Um, oh I will say as well, just on, on VR immersion, when I was in Japan in Shinjuku, I went to that VR place. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did you go there when you were in Japan last? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I did the Evangelion uh, experience. Yeah, sick. Yeah, that was very cool. Um, I, I felt definitely very immersed, especially before the actual gameplay happened. There's like a little sequence where, mm. well, you get into the, um, the seat of the, the Evangelion, you put the, um, the VR headset on and they, they sort of strap you down or whatever. Um, and, uh, and then when the game starts, like the LCL fluid fills up the, <laughs> the cabin in not, not reality, but it, it sort of feels like it does because of the sound design and, um, and the way the VR is working. It's got the air blasters too, right? Like it's blasting yeah, air at yeah. you. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. There's air blasters. There's all sorts. And like the seat moves and rumbles. So like as the, um, you know, as you turn left, like the whole thing like jolts to the side. It's, uh, it's very cool. Fucking sick. Yeah, I'd totally forgotten about that, but that's like next level VR right there. Yeah, yeah. And then there's um there's the other type of VR that's like warehouse VR where you know you and a squad of, of fellow gamers are taking down a bunch of zombies and it's like you run around the warehouse together in VR. Oh yeah. I've always been sus on that. Like sh yeah. surely the delay would be too much for running around in an actual warehouse i mean these are actual businesses but yeah just when i imagine it i'm too cynical to believe that the delay is small enough that it just it feels good yeah i don't i don't know either i've never done it i would like to try it's been around for quite a while now so surely there's been like advancements and improvements made but um mm. yeah zero latency a, a melbourne studio studio um zero latency did kind of the first uh, few experiences and i think the first one was like a zombie shooter but now there's all sorts of stuff there's actually looks like they partnered with far cry oh. so now you can do like a far cry experience yeah. oh that's not good like I'm, i mean <laughs> running around a warehouse and killing zombies is very different from like running around a warehouse and killing militia under like a dictatorship <laughs> like yeah so i'll just read out some of the games here uh far cry vr okay dive into insanity with some really bad typography uh undead arena uh-huh uh soul raiders which looks like a robot version of the zombie one yeah. zombie survival another zombie one uh-huh singularity which actually doesn't look like oh no he's holding a gun there is gun but it looks more <laughs> puzzly i think like sci-fi Oh, that's cool. Uh, Outbreak Origins, another zombie VR. I really wish we would move away from zombie. <laughs> bro, anyway. Bro, uh, they'll, they'll move away when people stop buying that shit. You know what I'm saying? I like... know. <laughs> I, yeah. Well, count me out. They don't have my dollary dues. And then there's another one called uh, Engineerium, which looks like just a puzzle solving situation, which actually is kind of cool. You know, like a bunch of friends in VR solving puzzles sounds novel. Yeah, I'd be interested to see, like, if they really let the technology kind of shape the puzzles they use so it's not just a digital puzzle escape room, you know? Like, that That just sounds like an escape room with extra steps and worse steps. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so um, pretty pretty cool pretty cool stuff and that's just one of the people offering this there's other other facilities i believe that are doing a similar vr headset with friends yeah warehouse 
situation. Anyway, sorry, that's a bit of a derail on the whole immersion thing. No, no. I, I, ima I imagine that would be a like, fun, immersive time. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's um, you know, it's, it's that type of immersion that you buy. Like, you can't buy subjective immersion, right? Like, it, it's just mm. something that happens to you sometimes when you play video games. And, like, yeah. for, for our generation especially, I think subjective immersion happens in books and movies before video games mm. like mm -hmm. you know as a kid playing sonic and shit like i definitely wasn't like man i'm so into this fucking world right now <laughs> <laughs> um but i think it's it's probably best defined as the suspension of disbelief and that's um that's one fact scrap for you so that's that's some mm. general consensus style definition for you right there um, but yeah, that, yeah. That, that comes from books and movies. That's, that's that just kind of like, you know, I mean, watching The Matrix for me, Lord of the Rings, like I just yeah, yeah. become unconscious of time passing in the real world. Yeah, yeah. Um, but for me, I, I think the thing that makes subjective immersion in video games unique is the gameplay loop, right? And this, right. And, and, and this is just for me, and this is probably, you know, I, I think for me, this is maybe more important than story and, and character just because mm -hmm. it, it's unique to video games. It's kind of like prose in books. I think like mm. what is unique to any medium is most important to me. And like, I, I think gameplay loops are, are like, it's the catalyst for time straight up disappearing from your life. You know, like mm. you're not conscious of yourself, the time, your need for food and water. <laughs> and mm -hmm. it feels awesome. Like it feels super cool and like obviously the world and the characters and all that stuff are important but like the gameplay loop is the skeleton for all that other stuff to draw you in mm. um, i like that yeah and i think like a modern example would be um fire emblem three houses or even um persona 5 like yep. these games have like super tight gameplay loops and they linger on one aspect of the game just long enough for you to get excited again um, when the other mm. one turns up. And it's just like, oftentimes, at least in these examples, you've got that cohesion between all the different types of gameplay. So, like, you teach your Fire Emblem simps maths, and then they can use <laughs> more complex weapon types on the battlefield. Yeah, yeah. And, like, yeah. you pair up those same simps on the battlefield and then they get back into the classroom. They're like, oh, fuck, yeah, let's learn some maths, yo. Like that. Wait, wh why are they called simps? <laughs> because in Fire Emblem Three Houses, you play the teacher and, uh -huh. and they're, oh, like, they're all simping over you. Yeah, they're, they're all vying for your affection. Oh, uh, very good. Yes, I love how you just. I, I was going along, but I just wanted to make sure <laughs> that's what the way we were calling them simps, not. Yeah, okay. you, I were, love it though. you I love were just it. making sure I knew what that word meant because it's new <laughs> and I'm not good <laughs> with new words. <laughs> I've also just never heard you say simp before. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, fresh, like, fresh new thing for me. I, I was, I, you know, I. I I didn't know what simp meant for ages, right? Like, you know, when hashtags came out, I thought hashtag should work, like PS. So, you know, when you're writing a letter, right. you write PS, PPS. So, like, yes. I've never I've really seriously done hashtags, but when I would do them, I would do hashtag, you know, whatever, hashtag, hashtag, whatever. Like, yeah. I would add more hashtags the more there are. Yes. 
Um, yes. so, so I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not the, um, brightest tool in the contemporary vocabulary box. Um, yeah, look, hash, also hashtag is such a bizarre, like, it, it's like a, what would you call it? A bastardized, like piece of, uh, code tech. So like the right. whole point of a hashtag is so that there's discoverability and you can sort of catalog, uh, specific things into, you know, subsections. So you would say like this specific type of content is hashtagged under, you know, like lifestyle or like beauty or something like that. Right. Okay. Um, and that's where but, you'd obviously find almost the weekend lifestyle and beauty. That's right. That's right. That's where, if you go, if you sign up to a new Spotify account, we are the top result under lifestyle and beauty. <laughs> um, but there's also like, like, you know, it's, and, and so it's just been like bastardized. Like there's actually no searchability really on most of the platforms for many of the hashtags that people use. It's, they're just like, they may as well be like spewing random numbers and letters out and it just, just doesn't have any utility anymore as a result of this bastardization. So, you know, hashtags, they're dumb. <laughs> we don't, we don't use them the way we're supposed to. Yeah. It's just, yeah. uh, for vanity's sake now there's, there's, yeah, there's no utility. Like you say. Totally. Yeah. It's, 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 it's almost like a meme. It's like a meme, you know, hashtag this hashtag that it's like, it doesn't, <laughs> It really is so useless. I don't understand. I don't know. It's, this is like old man yells at cloud styles. <laughs> oh my God. Um, anyway, I, I, I did use simp correctly. Those are, yeah. those are some thirsty students you got in that Fire Emblem game. Um, yep, but, sure but like just, just a super good example of of where you, you've got a, a kind of vertical slice of a game that's made up of all these different elements like combat and classroom and the way mm. they feed into each other is is just awesome and like the maths example i used is super stripped down um it, you know there's a lot more like you get you cook in that game and you can choose a cooking partner and they love you and the type of dish you cook can give you a bonus like there's just so much of yep. that yeah. Um, but it's sort of under the same pillar of like outside of combat, inside of combat. Like there's two different right. modes, I guess. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, oh man, I think that's the word. Like modes. I think when a gameplay loop has different like modes that feed into each other, that's that's the ticket for me. At least when it's when it's well done. Like, um, you know, yeah. we we talked about God of War earlier, um, where I said like it does a good job of changing things up between like cutscene and combat and like conversation and travel um but like for me the combat isn't as good so like when combat rocks off i'm like yeah okay we'll just get through this and then when it ends i'm like hell yeah but like when the yeah. when the gameplay loop is good combat starts and i'm like hell yeah and combat ends and i'm like hell yeah you know <laughs> like it's yeah, yeah. it's that that's what kind of draws me in the most i think when it comes to immersion yeah it's really um it's really interesting so i'm like thinking of some examples of games that have multiple uh, loops or like different uh, modes i guess we could call them maybe so in design the technical term for it is pillar oh. so you would say the pillar of the game we, this game has three pillars you know there's like exploration combat and uh cooking yeah okay um, yeah yeah and so you know we've like found a couple or we've like been talking about a couple games that have like fire emblem has you know school pillar and combat pillar um, yeah right 
and so like um other like i think what's kind of strange about fire emblem is that the modes are completely separate you know like mm. you don't have like the conversations and stuff that happen in school pillar are like real time you don't have to you know but but in like combat everything is like turn based so there's like a big difference between the different um pillars whereas in a game like hunt showdown where like if you you know when you're running around looking for clues that would be one pillar like exploration and um searching mm-hmm. and then another one would be um boss battle so like when you're in a boss battle that's a different other another type of pillar mm-hmm. and then there's also pvp and what's so what's really neat about hunt is that those three pillars are blended together into the one big experience which is just the gameplay right right so like while you're searching for clues you could potentially stumble upon the boss layer and that kicks off you know that that blends into that pillar and while you're fighting the boss you could get you know attacked by a player and that's the pvp pillar and so like they're all just blending together at all times um and so i think that's kind of cool like there's different games that do that do these kinds of like the pacing i guess or the the blending of the different pillars or modes is like is different so yeah it's uh it's kind of it's kind of cool and there's then there's other games that kind of just do one thing <laughs> you know like we just do this one thing uh there's no, there's no other part to this game just just this one thing which is kind yeah. of like that skateboard game that i sent you the trailer of a little while ago yeah yeah or like the the game that popped into my head was binding of isaac you know that's yeah just, totally i i guess there are boss fights in that but like nothing changes for you as a player when you enter a boss fight you know like the controls are the same the perspective like that top-down view is the same um but yeah that's that's cool i really like that term pillars yeah yeah that's that's you know like video game designers creating terms to make themselves feel smarter than they are pillars (laughs) pillars fits right into that uh yeah vocabulary for me (laughs) yeah yeah totally um and so yeah there's uh, i mean just to go on a couple different styles of of pillars you know so a lot of common ones would be in for example like the last of us there's the scrounging and like tim rogers talks about this there's scrounging and exploring while you're outside of combat and then there's combat while you're inside of combat and then there's the cutscenes where you don't have any input and you're Mm -hmm. just watching a little movie play and so like what he did was really interesting was he took all of those different sections of the game, mm. split them into their own editing pillar, uh, not pillar, uh, ed- editing row, mm-hmm. and then organized the math in such a way as to say this game has 25% exploration, scrounging, 25% <laughs> combat, and whatever the remainder is on, on video. And so, like, you see, you know, there's, like, games that do 75% of one thing and only a small percentage of the other thing, or, you know, so it's, it's really cool to see how the people who make these like the designers and stuff come up with how they want to blend this stuff together and how much each section has given to it like how much value do you put in school time over combat time in fire emblem yeah yeah and that that last of us example is probably the most elegant one um Mm. just because all of those pillars are so pure you know, they're, yeah. they're very simple. When you're scrounging, you, you know, there's not that many ingredients. It's, it's, it's nothing like the kind of almost exhaustive amount of pillars you find in any recent open world game where there's like 40,000 crafting components. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. like I, I feel like that can really muddle things 
And yeah. yeah, it's, I mean, I feel like we talk about cohesion so much in, on this podcast, but it's so fucking good when it's done well. Mm. Like you're scrounging for things because you really need those things when you're in combat and the game yeah. teaches you that early. And the combat is so intense that when a cutscene arrives, you're like, oh, all right. You know, I, I, I personally get a bit of a break and I get to see the story unfold. And it's just like, again, when, when one of those pillars comes to a close and it, it just lingered long enough that you enjoyed it while it was there, but you're ready for something different, that's the, that's the spice man. That's that Chinese yeah. five spice that they put on the price cooked <laughs> duck. Like, that's what we want. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think like that's where it, it's like you're trying the the designer or whoever's making the game is trying to hold on to that sense of immersion by making sure each of those sections uh, spent those pillars are spent doing a specific thing for a specific amount of time, mm. not too long, not too short, just the right amount, <laughs> uh, so so that you kind of hang on to immersion. And like I think in the case for me at least of Fire Emblem, the it's it's less about that meant the, the the maintenance of immersion and it's more about like taking a little break and so it's like here you're immersed in combat and now you get a little loading screen okay cool now it's time to be in school and now i can like put i can close my um nintendo ds or whatever it is 3ds and put it in my bag and then like after work i'll pick it up and i'll do the school section on the train or whatever like it's like right. kind of split in a, in a way that is um a bit different to how other games would would try and because, you know, like in, um, what's another example? Um, let's say, I'm just looking through my Steam library here. I was, uh, was going to say something around Death Stranding, that kind of like feeling, oh, yeah. feeling of immersion when, like between gaming sessions, you know, like yeah, you just right. said with, with Fire Emblem being able to put it down at like a great time to pick it up again and do something different yeah. within the same game. like. For me in Death Stranding, I would put the game down at the end of a long journey so that yeah. when I booted it up again, I'd like wake up in Norman Reedus's <laughs> little chamber. I'd put some music on, read some emails. Like yeah, yeah. It, it was just such a, the perfect intro to getting into the zone again with that game. Yeah, and, totally. Yeah. And I feel like that. That kind of stuff is pretty rare for me where you can like plan your session around yep. the pacing of the game. Like I I yeah, I don't think I've experienced that very much at all. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I remember um I think it was actually Tim Rogers talking about talking to Kojima about um what his next game was going to be while Death Stranding was in production and he said something like man simulator. <laughs> 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 like uh there's this this is really obscure ps1 fish game where you like raise a fish and it, it has like a human face and it starts speaking to you and like having given oh. you request requests it's like very odd oh, um but God. it's it's a similar thing to death stranding right when you when you're in the height or the, in the bunker or whatever and um you know you can like go and wash your face or you can go to the bathroom and he's just like kind of looking at the camera or looking mm -hmm. towards you're kind of just seeing it's almost like a Tamagotchi, right? Mm, it's like, yeah. do this activity, here's some water, go to the bathroom. Like, that's it. And, like, <laughs> that's such a bizarre thing to put in a game about, you know, making deliveries. But, yeah, it, it totally works. And I agree. It's it's a nice, like, um, after a long 
day of delivering, if you want to put the game down, it's a really nice uh, pacing device to say, okay, I'm going to leave it here for a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and again, though, coming back to these these elements that just feed into each other, like you go to the toilet in that game and you can use mm. his blood and his, his excretions for yeah. <laughs> grenades and stuff. And it's mm. like, yeah, he's very sustainable, that lad. Nothing goes to waste. Oh, yeah. um, no. I, but, I actually didn't find myself using the EX grenades very much in the game. Oh, man, did, it's honest. Did you use them? I remember, I remember throwing grenades, but I remember there are a few different types. Like, yeah. I, think, I think that aspect of the game was more complicated than it needed to be, considering the mm. situations where you needed to use that kind of stuff. Right. Yeah. Stressful. <laughs> yeah. And just like, I would have appreciated something like The Last of Us where there were specific things that you could craft that really helped, but there were just a few and they, you know, yeah. they did this job and they, they did it well and you could maybe upgrade them so that they did that same job a little bit better. But yeah, I, rem I remember there being a lot of like guns and things in, in Death Stranding that I just mm. didn't use at all. But, you know, maybe, yeah. maybe they're there so that you can play again and play in a completely different style. Um, yeah. But, yeah. 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 The options, baby. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think in, um, in a game like Death Stranding, yeah, the, I think the best time of immersion is when you're in the middle of a delivery and stuff starts happening. You know, like it starts mm. raining yeah. or like you stumble across some mules and they start running after you. Like, I think that's when I'm the most immersed in that game yeah yeah during the during the high high octane bits yeah and that's like that's kind of the secret spice with immersion right like we're talking about all these different things that that matter to us personally but like you say there does almost need to be a kind of random element or or basically something that you can't plan for that happens mm. and then you react in game like that's a very mm. immersive yes. feeling yeah, yeah. I think that's why Hunt is so successful, right? It's because there's so much... Like, it's the same... It's basically the same game mode over and over again. But right. the, within, like, the playground that they give you, there's so much stuff that can happen. Mm. So, yeah, like I said, you could get... You could accidentally stumble across the boss lair and then, you know, by making too much noise at the boss lair, you get attacked by other players or whatever. And it's just mm. like there's no guarantee that they're going to even know that you're at the boss lair if you're quiet enough, but... Maybe they also stumble across the lair. So yeah, it's all sorts of different things. And even like, I think what you were just saying before about like the unexpected thing, like in Factorio, the little aliens that attack you are like, they are so random sometimes. <laughs> like you <laughs> right. don't even, you, you won't know that you've like encroached on a whole, a massive nest of of aliens um, oh, like God. with your pollution. And so all of a sudden, like a side of your base that you thought was completely immune to alien attacks or like there was just no no aliens on that side will get like decimated by a giant alien attack. It's like, God damn, like I, now I have to adapt. And so, yeah, that period of like reacting and adapting is like, yeah, very, very immersive. Yeah. Yeah. Great call out. I, um, I did try to find the first video game that was praised for immersion. Um, just to see what that might've been like, but it was, it was kind of hard. The closest I got was the Oregon trail. Um, oh yeah. Okay. So for, for those who don't know, text-based adventure game from 1985. Also this, this is like the second and final fact scrap 
I have for you. So okay. enjoy it. <laughs> anyway, right. but anyway, basically, you, you're this character that chooses their profession. You choose a crew. You choose supplies. Um, and after you've done that, you try and cross the Oregon Trail. And mm. like, um, this was on like the school computers in primary school for me. Um, and I never beat it. I remember it being really hard. Like you've got to manage everyone's health, remaining food, bad weather. So that's like some of that like unexpected stuff that happens, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and and on top of this, you've got random encounters like other travelers, and if you run out of food, you can go hunting. And that there's a bunch of stuff, but like wow. I th- I think that that core gameplay loop is there. Like all the stuff we we talked about, and then you know sprinkle some of that like forced you know forcing you to improvise and yeah and you've got the first immersive video game right there uh yeah that's great I, i've never played oregon trail have you uh yeah yeah when like like i said in in primary school we had it on the computers oh right, oh, right. Um, I missed that video. yeah but it like it it was really cool but it was just not quite as exciting as some of the other games on the computers you know there was like mm-hmm. Oh man, but there was like a Velociraptor game and a bug game, like where you're a grasshopper. Anyway, it was like 3D <laughs> running around stuff. Oh, I remember that. Was that on a Mac? Yeah, yeah. This is Mac stuff. This is like yeah. very early Mac stuff. Oh, I I think I had both of those games. Oh um, god, we've we've awakened man. a core memory in Joe. Yeah. <laughs> what was that game uh, where you were a dinosaur? Yeah, oh, you-, you had like lasers or whatever you had lasers you had to collect eggs was um, it called nanosaur nanosaur that's the one um, wow this game looks way worse than i remember it oh uh, bro i'm sure it's absolutely atrocious but like those those games were just for, for a kid they were just so much more engaging than like a text-based game about the oregon trail that's really hard and everyone totally. dies all the time <laughs> yeah um but like it's got that uh you know the you've died of dysentery thing that's yes that's from the Oregon Trail that's, yes yes i remember that that happens a lot you do die of dysentery a lot in that game <laughs> i mean i i remember seeing it quite a bit but okay. i i'm i'm not sure of like how many different ways there are to die so like it might just be like you know one of six ways that you die in that game yep um yeah, so, and then I think there's another kind, just before we get to the point of wrapping up on this topic and talk about other other stuff, um, uh-huh. there's, there's another type of immersion that I've, that just came to mind while you were talking just then, and that's um, artificially held immersion. So I'm thinking of, like, a game that forces you to do a time-based activity, like a puzzle that is, you know, like, time-sensitive time or something, mm-hmm. like a little maths problem or, like, even in the case of Artful Escape, it holds your attention during the uh, Simon Says portions because of you've got to pay attention, otherwise you miss it, make mistakes in the melody. And so, yeah, there's like okay. a, a, a forced attention hold, which I, I, is yeah, it seems like a really short thing, um, but definitely I think is a type of immersion. You, you, think, you think that makes things immersive, though, to be forced to do something? No, it doesn't. But I think it's a type of immersion. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, I, I don't think it's like a good type of immersion. I think it's like, yeah, it's an artificial. Like I said, it's like here, 
like pay attention, like look at me, <laughs> like that kind right. of. Right. You know, okay. Emotion. Yeah. No, I think it's not like one that happens because you're, you know, having to solve a problem and react to and adapt to, or like there's something really beautiful happening, and so you're just deeply immersed in the in the in the beauty or the majesty of the thing that you're wandering around. Yeah. Or, you know, the world or the characters. It's like no, it's just it's literally just like wet shaking keys in your face and asking you to count the keys. Like, yeah. Yeah, okay. It's like it's like the difference in being at school and like being really into a topic versus having totally. a shit teacher and the teacher being like, pay attention, you little twat. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right. I'm with you. Yeah, I can't I can't say I've ever enjoyed that type of immersion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they're, they're, I think it is immersive though, still, <laughs> you know, like people always talk about oh, video games got to be immersive, but it's like, yes, fine. But there's also, there's like ways that you can do it, you know, like <laughs> it's, it's not all good, baby. It's not all good. You can, you can be immersed in a terrible job that you're doing, you know, it's not, yeah. it's not necessarily like, not necessarily like always a good thing to be immersed. Yeah, I think, so, yeah. I, I think, um, I think we might need to delineate between like being immersed and being trapped, <laughs> you know, <what> I mean? <laughs> being, being like forced to do something. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh my god. So just just before we get moving, did did you have like a, a game that came to your head as soon as you saw this topic, like where you were like, oh yeah, this is the number one game where I was the most immersed. Um, not really. I, I remember being quite immersed in, like, back in the day in games like Ocarina of Time and Mario 64, like, the original, like, stuff that got me oh, into yeah. playing games in the first place. Um, yeah. Where I was just, I, I don't have any clear memories of this, but I know that just based on what my parents were saying to me at the time, you know, it's time to put the games down. Like, I, I would have just been, like, non-stop cranking in these, in these video games as a kid. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I've also felt really immersed in like certain story games, like in Yakuza Zero. There's been some really like amazing story sequences that happened in that that were quite immersive. Um, mm -hmm. And that's a game as well that has really unique pacing. So like we talked before about like the different pillars and how you blend between them, and this game does some really unique stuff there. Mm. Um, same with Factorio. I've been like so deep in that game where you're like hours are passing by you'd be like oh I'll, I'll just finish this little section of the factory it's like 10 o'clock at night and then you look at the clock and it's like you know 2 a.m in the morning and oh that's so the good the house is on fire around you or whatever. <laughs> it's, it's very deep um and same with hunt as well like playing games with friends is also a different sort of breed of immersion but it's the game itself i guess it's the thing that's doing the immersion so but yeah, playing Hunt with a squad and everyone's real deep in it and, um, you know, two squad members are down and you're the last one to survive and you got to try and get up your friends and, oh my god, there's a third party coming <laughs> and the boss is breathing down your neck. It's like, yeah, it's very, uh, it'll, it'll, it'll grab you and hold you, baby. Yeah. Um, that, so yeah, those recent ones. That sounds sick. That sounds great. The, the, yeah. I, I've not played Factorio, but that is definitely a game where... I just look at it and I know I could get lost there forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a deep one. It is a deep one. Hell yeah. How about you? Any, any recent uh, memories? Um, man, I, I gotta say, I think it's Persona 5. Like mm. I, yeah, I remember the first time sitting down to play Persona 5. It was on a Saturday and I, you know, 
it was back when I was healthy and I just had a whole Saturday and I sat down mm. in the morning and I played that game for nine hours straight. <laughs> and, and, uh-huh. I, and I was just like, that was so cool. Like, you know, when yeah. you're like, you, you make the quickest lunch you can possibly make and you're like yeah, eating yeah. while playing a game at the same time. <laughs> and it's like, it makes both things not as enjoyable if you would just like stop for 10 minutes and eat but like yeah. you just can't think of not yeah, playing the game <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah so i think i think that's that's gotta be my pick for sure um but if you want to talk hear us talk about immersion some more or you've got a new topic for us you can email us at it's almost the weekend pod at gmail.com just like peter did Peter writes, hi, Joe and Daz, just writing in to say a big thank you to your fine wine and dine podcast. You, you sure you're listening to the right podcast? Uh, it, it has lit a fire in my heart for gaming again. Oh, dude, that is just the best fucking message ever. Oh, that's so lovely. Thank you, Pete. Oh, incredible. Yeah, that makes it all worth it. Um, added bonus, massive anime fan and definitely appreciate the good anime chatting that's been sneaking in. You can um, Hell yeah. trust more of that from the lips of Anime Boy. Oh, um, yeah, dude. I've been going hard on anime recently. Finished <laughs> Attack on Titan and I've started on Jujutsu Kaisen. Like it's, uh, it's, uh, and it's so good, man. The, the art in that show, holy moly. How fucking sick is it? And so good. And I'm very pumped for Chainsaw Man as well. I've been reading Chainsaw Man. Oh, cool. Like every other anime person out there is excited for <laughs> Chainsaw Man. Yeah, I remember seeing a trailer like a long time ago, and yeah. it it was really cool. It looked really weird. Yeah, I'm so pumped. Um, so Peter goes on. I have three questions for you both, and I'm hoping for a delicious Sunday roast feast discussions on them. Oof. Number one. Joe once said in a previous episode about Starfield and open world that, quote unquote, just have the developers do one full world, not a hundred, just one. Do you know how big a planet is? (laughs) I I love how you've like captured my intonation and fury. (laughs) (laughs) Look, he's got the exclamation marks there and everything. We're like, well, well scripted. Uh, Pete says, this blew my mind on how right that is and was wondering if they could make a fully fleshed out living planet, which IP would you like to see in this? Oh my God. That's a crazy question, dude. Right. Um, That's fucking massive, Pete. And, and yeah. I, I love the ambition. That's almost its own topic. Um, especially because right now we can't even access our own world. You know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> But I think, I think I would love to see, like, if it was a whole planet, I would love to see something super stylized, you know, something like Jet Set Radio Future or, or like, um, Zelda Wind Waker. Like, I, I feel like that kind of style could lend itself just to kind of endless exploration, which like an open world planet size kind of game could provide. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's hard because, like, oftentimes IPs live within their own realm of game, and it's so hard to imagine them in the realm or the the genre of open world. Mm. Shout out to episode one. Um, And so, (laughs) 
yeah, I, I don't really have any idea as to, I mean, obviously games like Pokemon kind of everyone dreams of the, the good open world Pokemon game. Cause it's just, it's something about it. that's like brings us back to that childhood uh, matrix pod from which we've recently ripped ourselves out of. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like it, it would be really cool to do like, sci I think sci-fi is a really rich place to do something like this where you don't necessarily have to leave the planet but stuff from other planets is with you like on your planet yeah and so yeah i don't know that that there's that, some sorry you go that's a good point like ha having a sci-fi world just means you've got more opportunity for variation like mm. yeah you know just pokemon again in our minds it's a better game than it ever will be from those lazy developers um <laughs> <laughs> pokemon hate cast is back um but yeah having having something in a sci-fi setting would just mean there'd be a lot more variation and like opportunity for creativity and that kind of thing yeah yeah um there's also games uh like zo like zombie games um what was one that what was that one that you were playing a while ago years ago um years ago it was zombie zombie game, game. Bro, you got to give like a bit survivally. You have to like craft stuff. Oh, it oh, it was an Xbox exclusive. Yeah, Xbox three hundred and sixty. Oh, dude, that can't. That's bro. What kind of fucking question is that? That's <laughs> that's like over ten years ago or some shit. Uh, uh, so there's a, there's a semi recent game that's like a top down similar version to that. It's called Pro Project. Z or Project Zomboy. State yeah, of Decay. Um, State of Decay. State of Decay. That's the one. Oh my god. Yeah. I think like a, a large, you know, like a whole server of like, you know, 500,000 people like, oh my all living on, on, on a planet that's like, you know, been infested with zombies and you have to try and survive. I think that would be pretty cool. We've, we've come full circle. We've come from... Hey, I started hating <laughs> and now I'm here, baby. Uh... Yeah, cool. Oh, you know, it doesn't have to be zombies. It could be something similar, survivally, where you've got to, you know, fight them. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of why games like Rust uh, were so popular. It's sort of captured that, you know, community of people all building bases on the one area and there's, like, conflicts that happen and you mm. can sort of just roam around. And, mm. uh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, yeah. That, that's the vibe. That's, that's a great call. Big ass, big ass zombie world. Maybe maybe mm. just mesh it all together, you know? We'll, we'll have a sci-fi zombie world in the style of um, that Link game I mentioned. Mm -mm. All Wind right. Waker. <laughs> Wind Waker. Yeah, I forgot it immediately after saying it. That's how my brain works too. It's all good. <laughs> Peter goes on. Number two. What can Mario do after Mario Odyssey? It's, it was such a great crafted game, but it didn't feel like it was such a jump in something completely different from Mario Galaxy. Mm -hmm. When Mario Galaxy came out, it changed the gaming experience for Mario as a platform to another level from its predecessors. It would be interesting to see Nintendo's answer to alternate reality slash dimensional rifts mechanics mm -hmm. with the Mario developers. Yeah. Huge. So I, I haven't played um, Mario Odyssey, but I'm really keen on it. Like. I loved Mario Galaxy 1 and 2. I thought I thought they were brilliant. Um, and we did just have that Ratchet and Clank game come mm. out. That, um, Rift between worlds. Yeah, there you go. Rift is in the title. Um, 
and I I saw some gameplay where like you you were just jumping through whole worlds at a time and like there were yeah. no loading screens and that seemed really cool. Um, but honestly, I don't think Nintendo's hardware is at a level where that kind of thing would be possible. Mm. Um, I think if their hardware got up to snuff and the, the, you know, I mean, the 3D Super Mario team has got to be one of the best teams in video games. Like they just, Mm -hmm. you know, and it probably has different directors and staff changes and all that, but just as far as consistency goes, like they just have been smashing it out of the park for like nearly 30 years. It's um pretty crazy. But yeah, I I think if they were to try something in that kind of multiverse flavor, I I just think it'd be really great. I, mm. I can't imagine them failing in something like that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting. The other week we were talking about how there's like, you know, flavor of the year, there's like that year that all those um uh samurai games came out and then mm-hmm. there's like years where like the zombies are the new hotness and now mm-hmm. it's all about this thing like i feel like this this recent year or two has been all about like multiverse stuff <laughs> totally you know you got dr strange multiverse of madness you got um uh what was that movie Bro, um, everything everywhere all at once everything everywhere all at once so you got Thor, which is doing multiverse stuff you know like it's all the big boys coming out to play with their multiverse um they're multiverse dick swinging. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's interesting. Um, so yeah, it is interesting as well that you bring up Mario and say, what if we did the you know, alternate reality dimensional rift stuff? I think that's kind of just like the natural, it seems like the path that, that it should go down. Um, but I, for, to sort of bounce off what you were saying a little bit earlier, Pete, about um, it hasn't really changed, you know, like Mario Galaxy did that that big jump or it felt like a fairly big jump and then and then Mario Odyssey didn't I agree I I thought Mario Odyssey was fine I didn't I didn't not enjoy it I just didn't think it was a great game right um, I didn't know that yeah it's also quite tonally odd as far as far as Mario goes like Mario's always been weird but this one mm-hmm. really pumps up the weirdness there's like realistic humans walking around like it's very very odd yeah okay um, got that uncanny valley shit going on yeah, or sort of. It just feels like uncanny in general. Like there's, right. There's, yeah, there's a point where you can transform into a tank and you start shooting stuff. It's like, why am I shooting things in a Mario game? Yeah, um, right. So, yeah, just tonally, it's, it's, it's a bit odd. Um, and I think they kind of got lost in the source a little bit there. But um, mm, Okay. And, and so where I'm going with this is, I don't know, this might be a little bit of like the my personality shining here. But I don't know if there's much more that we can do with platformers in the style of Mario. Like, I don't know how many more times it can evolve, if any. Whoa, okay. That's... So... Wow. I, you know, I'm... I I think... Maybe because I haven't played Odyssey, right? So I'm Mm. still high off of Super Mario Galaxy 2. And Mm. I'm just like, man, this team can do no wrong. Like... Yeah. I just feel like I'm not creative enough to see what they're going to do next. <laughs> like, yeah. and usually I'm like super cynical and like blah, blah, blah. But for me, I just, I really feel like the 3D Mario games are just so solid and they knock it out of the park every year. But yeah. I mean, I, I got to play Odyssey, I guess. I got to see, I got to see what, what that's about. Cause yeah, I just, I had heard only good things and like I saw, a trailer many years ago with the hat and you use the hat and you yeah, can turn into different things. And I was just like, yeah. that looks 
so fun. And like, yeah. as, as we know with this Mario team, they just need one core concept and, yeah. and they can, you know, they can work their magic. So like, yeah, I think, I think like a dimensional rift thing would be cool if they had it as, as a mechanic that you can use quickly, maybe like in that Titanfall 2 level. Um, mm. And they just put their Mario mega brains on it and they just, you know, form it into a, a 60 hour experience or whatever. Then, I mean, that's a, that's a take my money situation for me. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. We will see. I, I like, I, like I said, I didn't not like Odyssey. I just thought it was tonally quite odd. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm all for weird stuff. You know, I like it when games do weird stuff. I think this is just like, and also the same feeling with um, Bowser's Fury, which was a game that shipped with uh, Mario 3D Mario World. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I, I also thought that tonally it was a bit odd and also didn't really work. It was like a semi-open world Mario. Right. And so you had to like go around this little open world arena to these different islands. And then every so often Bowser would unleash his fury and become giant Bowser and like shoot you with uh, fire lasers. Uh, I mean, you're, you're kind of making it sound like it's not exciting, but that sounds very exciting to me. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm just not into Mario anymore. I don't know. Give it a go. <laughs> like, if, if you haven't played um, Bowser's Fury, then it's definitely worth a go. Plus Mario 3D Mario World is fantastic. It's, yeah. That's... It, to me, that's some of the best Mario doing along. It's up there with, um, with uh, Galaxy for sure. Right. Did you, did you play that solo or with? Yeah, I did. Dude. Yeah, okay, sick. I yeah. um I had the the original version on Wii U. Yes, yeah. Um yeah, we we must have played it at some point, but I never yeah, we did. I never played it solo. I always waited for people to come around. Yeah, no, the the platforming is really good and just a fun time. There's all sorts of weird new mechanics that they that they add later on and they really play with it the same way that they play with it in in Galaxy and um yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's why uh, Bowser's Fury is kind of not as good to me. They don't really play with stuff as much. It's just a little, I don't know, whatever. <laughs> me being cynical, old man, yelling in the clouds. Uh, <laughs> sorry, go, go on, Pete. Uh, Pete goes on. That was a great question, though. Uh, his final question, number three. What would you like to see Naughty Dog's next IP become? It would be fascinating to see their take on a fantasy could Naughty Dog be the antidote to the trend that everything has to be a massive open world? <laughs> so I think you've got the wording right in that the, the, the like antidote to, to massive open worlds, but I think the mm. antidote already exists and it's much larger than Naughty Dog. I think um, like we've seen just like an explosion of Metroidvanias in, in the last few years, which for me is just an open world but with level design you know where you actually as a designer have to consider the way things are laid out and how you traverse the world and that kind of stuff Mm. um and like i think naughty dog has always been a good option um to, to like other open worlds game you know it's just been like to have some variety in like all of the popular video games that you see but like I I think it's it's much bigger than Naughty Dog, despite their like, you know, being heavily lauded for yeah. linear games and that kind of thing. Yeah. Um. But I I don't know about their next IP. Like, again, like with FromSoft, I just want to see them do something different every time. 
And yeah. that's how I kind of feel with Naughty Dog. Like, Last of Us is sick. Uncharted is sick. Let's, you know, let's see something new. I, ca I can't imagine them doing a fantasy game, to be honest. Um, no, me neither. Yeah, I, it'd be sick, though. I, I agree, yeah. That, that'd be yeah. really cool. Like, um, the, the thing that I think Naughty Dog shies away from is really large scopes when it comes to storytelling. Like, you know, they, they don't have... 20 characters like a lot of fantasy games do um, just because they put so much effort into like telling specific stories um, you know and that's like where that cinematic feel comes from for me but yeah I, I, I don't know what do you think dude like outside mm. of a fantasy, fantasy game is there anything you'd like them to do um uh. I would really like to see Naughty Dog do like a um, PT style short horror thing. Oh, oh my God. Huge. <laughs> yeah, dude. I want to, I want to see a horror game. Of course. Yeah, bring a horror game up. Yeah. Oh. It just be like, you know, it doesn't have to be any kind of like, you know, new setting. It could just be in this, in the same style that they normally do their games. But um, yeah, do a, do a short experience, two or three hours long and do a horror game. That would be sick. Oh fuck! There's your answer, Pete. That's spectacular. I've got, <laughs> I've got, I've got nothing to add to that. That'd be so fucking cool. Yeah. Um. um and I think as well with that little you know, part of the end there, it's saying everything has to be a massive open world. I think actually the antidote to that is just people not, um, playing all of the recent huge success AAA games, which we're starting to see a little bit of with Stray. Um, oh yeah. Like smaller studios. Play, making shorter games and then there being huge successes like Stray was is really, um, really promising for me to see. So I think like, yeah, and it, seeing the way Stray performed is, which is spectacularly well. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. They, they had Annapurna's number one opening week for a video game that they've ever had. Wow. That's huge. Yeah, it outperformed basically everything they've got. Um, and it's still doing really well. Um, and so, yeah, it's, uh, it's really promising to see. And I think that like seeing stuff like that happen is kind of the antidote. I think, I think it's less about like a studio kind of stepping outside of what they normally do and just people paying more attention to unique games that uh, people don't often see. So I think it's, it's like less of a medium issue and more of like a curation issue. Mm. Like we just see, see less of these games. They're out there, you know, the, people are making them and they're just not as successful because of marketing and because of hype and all sorts of reasons. But yeah, it's a curation issue for me. Yeah. Yep. Solid answer. I agree. Yeah. Pete finishes. Cheers, gents, for the great vibes and keep up the great work. Pete, so good to hear from you. Um, yeah. Some great questions there. I, uh, I'm leaving this podcast super thirsty for a Naughty Dog horror game now. Didn't, didn't know <laughs> didn't that know. was a thing I could hope for, but now there you have it. There it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, just like, uh, every now and then with this podcast, we say something and it sort of willed into existence. Oh my uh, God. Maybe, maybe this will be the next thing. Oh, into existence. I'd love that. Yes. I don't know if we talked about that, but just quickly, we talked about wanting to play Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3 and 4 on modern consoles. Mm. And like a couple of days after the podcast came out, it was real. 
Konami were mm. like, we're doing it. Um, yeah. yeah, hilarious. Let's hope. Let's hope Naughty Dog are listening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. Uh, well, maybe maybe they will be after this recent giveaway. Uh, <laughs> yeah, numbers are good. Yeah, Neil Druckmann is gonna be real keen on that Atreus figurine. I just know it. Oh, absolutely. Yep. <laughs> all right well i hope everyone has a really lovely weekend we hope everyone has a really lovely weekend and we'll see you I next time. <laughs> 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 oh my god all right that's it we're, we're calling it we'll see you next time it's almost the weekend bye 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 miss you love you bye